Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Melissa Matlins, VP of Marketing B2B at Vimeo. She talks about how the user experience has to be amazing, especially in a world of virtual events and streaming on video platforms. AJ prepares for his trip to New York, and native New Yorker Vincent won't get caught dead in Times Square. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and partnerships here at Starista. This is the Marketing Stir. It's so great to be talking to you all again. I miss when I don't talk to you. I really do, because I enjoy talking. Just ask my co-host, he'll tell you. Ask my wife, she'll tell you as well. Let's pause for a moment and talk about Starista. This is the only time we're gonna talk about Starista, ladies and gentlemen, just so sit tight. Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We own our own data, B2B. B2C, we help customers utilize that data to help target, get new customers. We own our own DSP called Adster. We can help you with connected TV, display. Email me, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am in our services. I just gave you my email. And also just use that email for those purposes. People are emailing me for a lot of things. I'm not interested in your life insurance because it's this is not what it's for. Also, but I do appreciate these suggestions. I love when you tell me a guest that you love, a book recommendation that the guest gives. It's been a blast. You know what else has been a blast? Almost three years working with this gentleman here, but I've known him for 12. Ladies and gentlemen, our co-host, Mr. AJ Gupta, the CEO of Starista. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Yeah, I didn't realize it's been a long time. So, I'd look forward to seeing you next week in New York City. Absolutely. You're coming up to the Big Apple, right? The, the, you know, the head honcho, as I call you, is coming up to, I don't call you that. I just made it up. You're coming up to New York City. We love when you visit. Used to, used to be more frequent, but the pandemic had put a stop to that. But now we're going to get you an apartment here in New York City. Just brace yeah, yourself. Brace yourself know. for the fee. <laughs> I don't know if they still know me by first name at uh, Refinery Rooftop, so we'll have to change that if they don't. Got to change it. They they know you there. We will hit up the rooftop. We will be at Bar Balaud. Balud? I always get that name wrong. That's where we'll be. But yes, it is. So you were surprised that it's been that long? Does it feel like you've known me longer or shorter when I said that? Uh, no comments. No comments. Well, yeah, that, that shows right there. No, it depends on the day. It depends on the day. Depends on how much I annoy you uh, for something. Yes, but no, no, uh, we're I, coming I, up on I my three-year anniversary. Yeah, no, it seems like yesterday when I uh, met you, you had that beautiful New York City office that we used to meet at. Uh, yes, on Broadway. 1350 Broadway was the address of that. Uh, I remember it was right near Herald Square, Macy's. Now I don't want to be caught dead around that area as a native New Yorker. Get me away from there. Get me away from Times Square. But yes, now I'm in my amazing little office in downtown Manhattan here. It's just me representing. But yeah, happy to have you there. We're going to be meeting with some of our great partners. 
meeting with some new prospects, meeting with, and, and just ha also having fun, having a little event in the process. But yes, it'll be good to have you up here. But yes, what else is good, AJ? How's everything in San Antonio? It looked like there was game night last night. Little little yeah, team building a little exercise. Bit of a uh, charade, uh, charades night, and uh, turns out uh, Devin, Zandria, and Hunter Snell are exceptional. Somebody makes one little gesture, and they know exactly what movie it is. So I don't know. It seemed a little rigged. So, but it did seem screen. rigged. I think they help organize it there. But no, that's a part of our customer success team members. So that is great. I love seeing that. I had a lot of fun doing game night when I was there. Those are important things. Those are important things. I'll tell you what else is important. These guests that we have, and this guest is no exception. I really enjoyed meeting her. She is also a native New Yorker. I hope to meet her in person very soon, but we are lucky enough, Marketingster audience, to have her now. She's the Vice President of Marketing, B2B at Vimeo. Heard of Vimeo? You sure have. We're going to talk to her. We're going to talk about the company, her role. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. Ladies and gentlemen, please a warm welcome to Melissa Matlins. What's going on, Melissa? Hi, everybody. Hey, Vincent and AJ. Great to talk to you today. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us, Melissa. I already enjoyed meeting you. We already had some fun. We already talked shop. And I'm so excited for our listeners to learn more about you as well as Vimeo. But let's let's get right to it. There, I always like to get this right off the bat because maybe those listeners out there Tune us out. I doubt it because we have such loyal, rabid fans as evident of the coming up to me at conferences now. But Melissa, for those people who don't know Vimeo, well, A, I think you're living under a rock, but B, just tell people about Vimeo and tell people within your role. I love the B2B, I'm a B2B guy uh, here at Starista. So I love B2B, but talk to us about Vimeo and I'd love to learn about your role specifically there. Yeah, so um, I mean, lots of people know Vimeo. I think one of the most common things I hear is, you know, I love Vimeo, but I have no idea what you do, or aren't you kind of like YouTube? Um, you know, our, our brand and what Vimeo is and does has evolved a lot because video's role in culture has evolved. So um, video isn't just, some form of expression or entertainment that we experience outside of work. Uh, it's very integral to our everyday work, particularly since the pandemic. Um, and it changed fundamentally how we connect with our employees and connect with our customers. Um, so it's really now just table stakes for every business to be able to communicate effectively with, uh, with video. And at Vimeo, we have a whole platform and suite of tools that help people make, manage, and share video in their business. So what I what I do here, um, that is very core to, core to what I do here. Um, so I joined the company about three years ago. My focus has been how do we quickly scale our global SaaS footprint with businesses at all sizes. Um, we aren't, you know, historically known for these tools. Um, so there's nothing that I love more than building campaigns that showcase uh, how businesses can communicate with video. I, I love it. So it sounds like you're approaching your three-year anniversary as well, like me. That's awesome. Melissa, talk to us about, this is a, a fan favorite question, how you got into marketing in the first mm -hmm. place. And also, uh, I'd like to add a little bit to that is, What's the appeal to you for the B2B aspect? 
of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually started my career in architecture. Uh, I came out of school, I started working in a firm, and I think I realized very quickly that I love architecture and design, but it just wasn't, the actual process of doing the work just wasn't where my energy went. Um, it probably doesn't help that your first jobs in that industry are you know, detailing doors and windows and going over construction drawings and, you know, like doing that until you can prove that you're capable of doing something more meaningful. Um, I mean, I think I was, I was lucky enough to work in a firm that was part of a global competition system. So um, this is really, you know, pitching a large construction project. A residential building, a cultural institution, um, a new stadium, and uh, there's a very high stakes, high reward process for this. Um, and to me, this was marketing and business development at its best. Like, how do you sell the vision of a building that exists only on paper or in, you know, a napkin sketch, right? <laughs> um, and and I think I got, you know, I got sort of very involved in that, very excited by that process. And I actually spent years doing marketing and business development in the architecture and design world before I eventually made the leap to software marketing. And I think ultimately what made me um, start to think about how I was going to transition my skill set from one to the other is, um, in architecture and design, when you build a building, it's a decade-long commitment, depending on the size of construction project you're looking at. So I would always say I got the best parts of the project, right? <laughs> I got the, the beginning where you're sort of setting the vision and figuring out what the messaging is going to be and how you're going to sell it to the client and be reflective of their needs and all that good stuff. And, and at the end, you come in to celebrate, right? <laughs> but the pace of iteration and change project by project is very slow. <laughs> um, and, and I think when I uh, started to think about what really got me excited, it was that back and forth that you have with the market, or in that case, with your customer, understanding their needs and building something to fit that. Um, so to me, I think a lot of the transferable skills were all around understanding your audience and understanding what product you had to offer and trying to figure out how you connect those two pieces together. And that really is the fundamental uh, bridge that you're trying to build uh, when you're when you're in software and tech marketing. And I still use a lot of architectural analogies. So <laughs> it's the, the, the that, big uh, holdover from my uh, my previous career. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that fascinating background. I think mm -hmm. uh, it's the first architectural background we've had. So that's <laughs> uh, so coming to your current role. What are some of the marketing channels and strategies that you use and what have you seen kind of work in the last three years you've been there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're focused on a few kind of core audiences at, at Vimeo and we sell to businesses. So um, marketers, communications professionals that sit inside of companies that connect with employees and uh, what we call kind of a video monetizer or people that have a niche that they know super well and they wanna build a streaming channel to, to match and monetize their expertise. Um, so we find that our best marketing tool is our product. This is the, the fundamental sort of blessing of a freemium product, right? There's so much that you can do on Vimeo today that is entirely free 
for businesses to try. And we have 260 million users that are putting our tools, our video tools to work. So there's a ton that we can learn from how people are using the product and in what applications and what, you know, what's sort of the next generation or the more advanced version of things that we can help them do. Um, so a lot of our marketing is focused on getting people and their teams to experience this power of video in their own business, even if it's something as fundamental as uh, I'm going to create a video and I'm going to use that on a social channel to advertise my business or I'm going to embed that on a website. Um, so seeing how they're including video in their campaigns and in events in ways that they like probably previously needed professionals to do is like the most rewarding part, I think, of, of, of what we try to do as marketers um, is getting them to that initial experience of value. Um, and then I think when we put together campaigns for these audiences, we always say like, do we have an opportunity to show, not just tell people what video can do? So this is why we use our own products every day to manage video, to share video, to make video. And it's also why we have a ton of events on our uh, Vimeo platform as well, every, every, every month, every week. Um, so we can showcase how we're doing it. So speaking of events, what are some of the key components of hosting a successful virtual event? Yeah, I mean, I think it's changed a lot. Um, I think there was a there was a pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and post-pandemic, like fundamentals of virtual events, I would say. <laughs> um, and, and there's a couple commonalities. Like what we will always see is content is always going to be really central to this experience. And it's why we devote so much um, time, energy, and, and product to really making that content shine. And it's not necessarily what you're saying or what your speaker's saying or what your slides are showing. It's um, can I present my content in the richest possible way? Like, can I share a video? Can I share live components? Can I share on-demand components? Can I bring people in from all over the globe if I want to? Um, and can I make that content available just technically, however my audience wants to consume it? And that looks so different from the way that people used to consume a virtual event. They would go, they would open their laptop, and they would sit in front of the laptop and watch a webinar, typically live. Now we've all been through three years of video, right? Like <laughs> we, we all we all got an MBA in video in the last three years, and now what we're finding is that people have lots of different ways that they want to incorporate content into their new work life. They may want to watch it on demand later on a connected TV. They may want to watch it on their phone in parts when they have time. Um, they may want to join live and they may want to join afterwards. <laughs> they may want to just stay tuned for the highlight reel. Like, and I think that we are seeing that people want that flexibility and how they consume and the border between what people consider, you know, maybe an instructional video or maybe a podcast <laughs> or, or maybe a live event is blurring a lot. I think that's actually a positive trend because it allows us as marketers to reuse and remix content in a ton of different ways. But um, that's really critical to getting the mix right for the consumer. Like just thinking of it as a virtual event that happens one time and that, you know, if somebody attends, they see value and any other way they consume that content, it, it, they're not seeing value or, um, you know, we, we don't consider that intent is probably not how we should be looking at that anymore. And Melissa, talk to me about how Vimeo is continuing to build that footprint in businesses uh, with businesses. You know, I would love to hear that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, so in the last couple of months, we've launched a bunch of really exciting tools. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, the biggest and sort of most exciting one for me um, was a new tool called Vimeo Events that we launched late last year. Um, during the pandemic, I'm sure we all had a lot of uh, thoughts and experiences uh, with event products, both good and bad. We have all seen the data that shows and probably personally experienced ourselves that the number one challenge for attendees is often the technology. They can't get it to work. It doesn't work on my mobile device. It's, you know, it's not a great viewing experience, et cetera. Um, we put a lot of, you know, energy and people time <laughs> against this problem. And I think the reason that it was particularly intriguing to the Vimeo team is we, you know, because of our legacy as a consumer video platform, we knew that that user experience, the experience that somebody has when they're watching a video uh, needs to be magical. It needs to work on every device. The video quality has to be high. <laughs> and that's sort of the bar that you need to hit in order to be able to have a, a, you know, a secondarily an amazing experience at, at a virtual event, right? Um, and I think a lot of the products that we saw in the market failed on those fundamentals alone. Like, um, you know, when you're in some products and we're talking like this, and then we, I wanna show you a video, um, that's not really possible or the sound may, quality may be bad or like a video may be jerky. Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of thoughts about how we could improve that experience. It all got baked into our Vimeo events platform. My favorite feature in that platform is the ability to queue up or sort of like make a playlist that I can use to drive an event. So we may start with a uh, you know countdown slate, then do a live section of that event, then bring somebody in who you know maybe couldn't make it that day or you know is located somewhere else for an on-demand piece, and then play you know sort of videos as interstitials in between. And all of that, like the building of that flow, is entirely accessible to any marketer. We sort of like jokingly say you know a CMO could do it, but I do think that's true. <laughs> yeah, there is. It's funny you say there's nothing worse than being like on a webinar or a virtual summit and someone saying, and now here's a video from Deborah, our, C our CEO, and it's just jumbled and it's the worst. Mm -hmm. and it just ruins the whole flow of the, the seminar. It really does. And people are scambling. Sound is off. Yeah, that is that's a buzzkill. Yeah. Yeah. Buzz and kill. I mean, look like. You know, I think what was interesting about the pandemic is that there was a lot of empathy for for marketers and for you know virtual events, particularly live events that didn't go exactly as planned. Mm -hmm. Like that's still a very real thing. Like that's still a very real thing. <laughs> I think. Yeah. But I think I think what you know what people realized over time is this is what you know if you take away the in person component, this is what we have, and so the confidence in your technology and your ability to communicate through video is the new is a message in many companies yeah. right um and so we get a, you know we hear from a lot of companies today particularly when it comes to employee communication like i need my um town halls to be flawless because this is my opportunity to cascade a message about my strategy that i don't want interrupted by technical errors right yeah. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, and I need my video to be crisp and I need to be able to reach people in the field that aren't necessarily in the office or different time zones. And all of that just requires a, 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 a level of sophistication with video and frankly, a consumer level of sophistication with video that didn't exist before. Exactly. You don't want things interrupted by technology. 
what is now very much acceptable, which I loved seeing, is it could be interrupted by dogs, cats, children. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love seeing that. Remember years ago, I was like, oh, no, the dog is, we got to get the dog out. Oh, my, yeah. my son ran in. It's, it's yeah. just part of, it's part of the, you know, life now. But Melissa, you touched upon it, but I, I want to get it out there. Like some of the common misconceptions about Vimeo. I'd love you to uh, mm. elaborate uh, even deeper on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think that, um, like, I think the most common misconception is like, you know, we're kind of, we're like a, you know, a place where you can go to, you know, host video and view video and that kind of thing. And you know, like, like so many um, companies of our era, you know, Vimeo has been around a long time. We have this really unique brand challenge where we um, particularly with marketers need to shift perception from, you know, kind of a place where I can go to dump video to something that starts to solve real challenges that every marketer has. Like if I have one video that's been translated into 20 different languages and I need my 200 people across my marketing team globally to be able to access the right version of that, how do you do that? Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and there's not, uh, you know, we're really sort of the only full stack video tool that can start to remove a lot of those friction uh, points that you don't get when you don't have that like end to end capability, right? Where I can, you know, create video, um, I can create a very engaging viewer experience. And then I've also got a lot of productivity built in where I can have a hub where everybody can access that video. I can set privacy settings on that video. I can get more out of other video assets at my company because I can keep those all in the same place and remix them when I want to. Um, and I can also use those to collaborate with other people on my team because we have review tools and transcripting and other things that will help make video more searchable and also um, editable. So um, I hope that helps a little bit. <laughs> no, it, it definitely helps because, you know, that's, that's some of the things out there. You think one thing of a company, you, you learn uh, something else. We, we had a few companies on like that where, oh, people just know us for this that records your shows. And it's like, well, no, it does other things, too. So I always love debunking, if you will, the, mm -hmm. the, the concepts or the, the uh, perception. So mm -hmm. that's very helpful. Melissa, what are some industries that are getting disrupted by video, you think? Um, it's interesting. I feel like I've done a lot of industry marketing in my career. And when I came to video, I was like, Vimeo, I was like, wow, you know, we really, uh, we really, you know, there's not like one vertical where we go deep. So um, I, I roughly bucket into a couple different categories when we look at businesses. Um, a big one now is, you know, distributed or remote workforce. Um, so we used to see this a lot with uh, professional service organizations where they have hundreds of thousands of um, consultants or brokers or realtors that like work in branch offices. And it's very hard for companies to cascade messaging and strategy when you don't have people in one central HQ or location. That applies to almost every business now where they have remote workforce that are you know, sitting in homes or in distributed offices. Um, there's also a lot of businesses that rely on frontline workforces, so retail or healthcare, um, where they have employees in the field and the, their employee base or the vast majority of their employee base doesn't sit in front of a computer. 
So when you think about use cases like onboarding or training or you know, how to talk to that type of workforce about interactions with customers and how to equip them to handle potentially some of those customers' more technical needs, uh, video is the great vehicle for that but you need video that can go on any platform. So they may not sit in front of a computer, but they typically have a cell phone and that's one way to reach them. Or you can deliver it to you know, a kiosk in a store or other things. Like video can go places that other training can't. Um, and then I think the, la you know, the last sort of piece of this is um, how, do you, how do you reach you know, different segments of customers with um, you know, messaging and segmentation that's specific to their use case at the right time? Um, and if you look at use cases in regulated industries where that messaging is super critical <laughs> to, you know, to get right, whether it's because of a legal requirement or because of, um, you know, other fundamentals of the business, like, uh, financial services is a great example, uh, you know, healthcare or pharma is another one. Uh, you may need hundreds of different versions of the same thing that's trying to show something that is like very intricate or super technical um, to partners in the field, to a healthcare provider. Um, video can be an amazing vehicle for that. And it can also sort of show and teach things that are just very, very difficult to accomplish in other ways. Um, so it's it really goes across a bunch of different industries, but I think we're seeing a bunch of dynamics now in those different, you know, sort of buckets and market segments that are just causing uh, and driving sort of more need for video in more different places and not just, you know, as entertainment as something that you, you know, use to communicate with your customers. Um, all of these different sort of customer experiences and customer touch points are now being revolutionized by that. So Melissa, one of the things uh, kind of bringing it back generally to B2B marketing, which is a big area of your focus, what are some of the key areas or focuses that uh, one should keep in mind when marketing to other businesses? Mm, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. Um, I think the biggest one sort of that I always come back to is that businesses are people. Like you need to win the heart and mind of somebody who sits inside of a company. And there's a lot of similarities with consumer marketing in that way. You need to deeply understand that audience. You need to understand their motivations and you need to understand their life beyond the software product that you're trying to sell them, right? <laughs> um, I think that's particularly important when you look at an audience like marketers where like the last thing that they need is another tool. They're there because they want to understand how they can have business impact in at their company, grow their company, and you know figure out a, you know find a, find a way to add more value for their users and their customers. Um, and when you come in talking about that from a you know sort of feature level perspective, it typically doesn't resonate. <laughs> like like they're in the business of buying results. Um, so so I do think that. Uh, what I see pretty often is a disconnect between what a company is trying to say, like, this is what my tool is and does, and the result that the, the person that sits inside of that business is actually trying to achieve. Yeah, and, and the, do you generally find businesses are receptive to videos, or is it still challenging to just sell them on the value of videos? Um, that's, it's an interesting question. I think that, um, you know, professional video today is like still super hard and super expensive, right? And even if you're a Fortune 500 company, you probably believe that <laughs> video is still too hard to do, right? 
So if you look at pro quality video, you're thinking like, this is going to take weeks to make, it's going to cost thousands of dollars. I'm going to have to shoot this and upload it. And like, you know, collaboration is super inefficient. And, you know, if it's an event, I need expensive hardware for that. And um, I think it's part of the reason that, you know, Vimeo exists, like our fundamentals as a business, whether, you know, it was way back when, when we were like, a, you know, the little like video hosting platform that could. And, you know, now when we think of ourselves as like, you know, we're this global SaaS business, like our whole goal is to build things that remove that friction and make video easier and more effective for businesses. And if you let that guide all of your decision-making, we're, we're, what we're really trying to do is remove the, you know, sort of fundamental, <laughs> like, challenge in you know in video marketing which is uh i don't do it because i find it too too hard to execute melissa i would love to understand and i i hope there's a time that i don't have to keep asking this question but i in, in vimeo's case i really love to understand how has the pandemic affected vimeo mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um well pretty much right off the bat we saw a ton of demand um, and I think what was uh, most exciting to see was the creativity that um, sort of came to blossom out of that time uh, because people went from, you know, videos are nice to have for my business and it's something that I've kind of played around with to video is now fundamental to my business. In some cases, if I'm a fitness studio or um, you know, a tech company that did a lot of in-person marketing, it's now the core of my business, right? Um, it's core to how I reach audiences and it's gonna be core to how I connect with my employees. Um, and I think that we saw a real um, outpouring of creativity there that we, you know, that was probably one of the most rewarding experiences in my professional career. Like, um, I think that we saw people use video to go to market in new ways. And um, I think there were a lot of things that got me really excited that were just like, um, you know, more mundane video use cases that like don't get celebrated as much. Right. So many companies came to us and said, you know, I had to figure out how to train, you know, a thousand employees every week. Uh, and I used to do that all in person. And in, you know, six weeks, we transitioned all of that to video and we're never going back. I love that. I love, I love hearing that. And yeah, it, video, it, it plays such a, a it now does even, even more an important role. I would love to understand, you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast too, like some of the campaigns that you work on, but what's, <laughs> what's been one of your favorite campaigns that you worked on at Vimeo? Mm -hmm. um, we actually just wrapped an event uh, that was really exciting to me called Outside the Frame, and um, it was an event for marketers that celebrates all of the different ways that they use video in their campaigns and I think think through um, how video can better connect them to audiences. Um, and so the thing that was really exciting for me about this, uh, this particular event was, uh, you know, we really wanted to center it around all of the amazing things that marketers do that exist outside of that perfect little video frame <laughs> that, you, that you see in the ad and that you see, you know, like <laughs> that you see in the event. It's like, you know, right outside of that frame, there's like, you know, a stack of books that's like supporting the camera and like the lighting that's a little out of fit. And like, you know, your kid that's like knocking at the door. Like, I, I think there's something so, um, 
amazing to me about all of the creativity that goes into marketing moments that doesn't get seen, right? Um, and particularly with video. So uh, there, <laughs> this was probably one of the first events where we actually um, had filmed it in person again in our offices. And it was exactly the premise of the event when I went down to see the setup. There's like eight cameras <laughs> and 20 people. And then like this, you know, beautiful stage where you see none of that effort, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's part of the reason that why it was so exciting to me. And it, you know, it was great too, I think, to see thousands of marketers join us, um, start to share LinkedIn profiles with each other. Like that's the kind of community that we want to be sure that we're facilitating, you know, in addition to all of the other things that we can help people do with video. So one of our staple questions is around uh, messages people receive on LinkedIn. Mm. And, <laughs> uh, so the question is, uh, you know, what's a message that gets your attention and what's one that really annoys you? Um, I, a message that gets my attention is um, I listen to your earnings call or I read your 10K. I will open those every time. I mean, if, 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 right after this podcast airs, if I got a flood of messages of people saying, I listened to your earnings call and here's how I think I could help you, I would actually be thrilled. <laughs> oh, nice. That is, that is a first, that, yeah. that uh, messaging. I, I didn't know where you were going to go with, with that. Wow. Um, so that always gets my attention because that says somebody did their homework to learn about the business and to understand what might actually help us. Right. Um, and I also think, you know, I've, I've managed sales development folks in the past. I feel like I know that role really well. And one of the most valuable things that you can do in that role is be a student of businesses. Because the more you learn about who you're selling to, what their motivations are and how their businesses work, the more successful you will be as a salesperson every time. Um, so, so when I see those messages, I also think, you know, not only does this person do their homework, but they're going to be an amazing salesperson one day. Right? <laughs> if they're doing this for even half the leads that they're reaching out to, they've got this. Um, so that always get my, gets my attention. Uh, you know, one that I hate, like, um, you know, I want to connect with you for like networking purposes. Or something. It's like, no. No, sure. But, but like, isn't that, like that's why we're all here. So, <laughs> you, you you mean you're going to send me a message in 13 seconds you, after you add, I you add some value after uh, I connect with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I think it just goes back to to like knowing you know knowing your customer, knowing your audience, and you know understanding what's motivating to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a long message. I don't, you know, nobody has time to like read a five paragraph essay about the business, but I do think that if um, there are clues everywhere about what motivates people and how businesses work, I always say that I'm an, I'm an open book. If you <laughs> want to learn about me, you can like go to any of my social profiles and understand a lot about what motivates me and what I'm interested in. Um, and I think the most effective messaging is always going to be things that are resonant with your audience. And that's what I look for. Yeah, no, I, I love hearing that. And and I share within the, uh, let's just network. I'm like, oh, meet me at a networking event and we'll network. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I'm on to you. You're going to message me very quickly after. I, I like that, the earnings call. That is that is a first. Melissa, final question. 
you said what motivates you there on on LinkedIn on the social media side. What about in real life? What what uh, what are your hobbies, interests? You and I were talking kiddos uh, before. Uh, let us know. Yes, yeah. I always feel like this is a very hard question to answer because I think, uh, especially when kids are young, you end up not having a lot of your own personal hobbies. Um, <laughs> but you know, if I think about like the hobbies. That, that I have through them. Uh, I think it's been actually been quite fun to rediscover a lot of the things that I remember getting really excited about as a kid, right? So um, my older child is six and she's really getting to know and discover more about you know, the natural world and what sort of you know, principles of science drive that world, right? And so we have fascinating conversations about this and we'll do science experiments. And, you know, she's very curious about, you know, condensation and like, how did, you know, like how did, how does the, you know, what's in the atmosphere and how does it work? And, 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 and I think it's just exciting to revisit some of those questions because you realize how much, um, how much, how much sort of like experimentation goes into what they, you know, what they see. Um, and it just, it, it, it reminds me of like everything that, you know, gets me excited to learn new things, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. We do a lot of science experiments together. I'd say that's probably my hobby right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, my, my, my five-year-old does the same and just like watching, yeah, I have a five and two-year-old and just watching him with Legos. And then mm -hmm. also, like you said, reliving things, going mm -hmm. and like watching movies like the Ghostbusters and the Karate Kid it's like reliving those moments. Like, oh, I remember where I was and yeah. <laughs> whatever it was. So uh, that's awesome, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story, the Vimeo story. We really do appreciate your time here at the Marketing Stir. That's Melissa Madlins, the Vice President of Marketing, B2B at Vimeo. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta, New York City bound. And this has been the Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.